Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, this podcast in association with TNT Sports. It's with me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. And it's a a doubly sad day if you're an England fan and also if you were a Gloucestershire or Natal or South African cricket fan because England have lost the test heavily, of course, but also sad to say the death today was announced of the great all-round cricketer Michael Proctor, Mike Proctor, captain of Gloucestershire in the late 70s, an amazing cricketer. And we're going to pay tribute to him later in this podcast. But uh, first, we should just reflect on a devastating defeat for England in Rajkot by 434 runs, Simon, which is India's biggest ever margin of victory in history. And it's the eighth biggest margin of history in all Test cricket for any country. So... A pretty chastening experience for England. Yeah, routed in Rajkot. <laughs> We've had the heist of Hyderabad. We've had vanquished in Vizaga now. Absolutely routed in Rajkot. Yeah, biggest win for India in terms of runs. I mean, they've had victories by an innings. I mean, they've beaten England seven times by an innings. So, you know, so how do you quite judge that? They've also won two matches by uh, 10 wickets against England. T- to be honest, yours. I, I thought it was inevitable once Johnny Bairstow went uh, yesterday. Root Bairstow, that's a two-card trick. I just couldn't see England getting back in the game from there. Two early wickets for India. OK, they, they could have done. I mean, they, you know, they could have tried hard, but I thought batting last was going to be tricky. And there was sort of inevitability about it yesterday. All the damage was done uh, yesterday. Today, it was ju- just a procession, really. India had such a dominant position overnight, 322 ahead. They got England exactly where they wanted them, you know, 550 runs ahead, sort of middle of the afternoon. There was no coming back from that. It, they, they, they'd done them either way. England tried to win. Well, that would, that would be preposterous. Tried to draw it, no chance as well. Re- you know, impossible situation that England found themselves in. But they did you know, rather capitulate, didn't they? You know, 
pitiful, really. Uh, it could have been their lowest ever score in India, but you know they got they cobbled together a few runs at the end. Uh, Folks and Hartley, and then Mark Wood got them over a hundred. But really dispiriting defeat from England. But as Ben Stokes said afterwards. Great chance to win the series. 3-2. There's positivity for you. Yours a bit like Ben Duckett after that day's play yesterday. They can have as many as they want and we'll go and get them, he said. And no one in the whole world believed him. <laughs> Apart from a couple of people in England dressing room. Maybe even they didn't believe him. No, not even them, yours. Not even them. No. I mean, I don't understand why. what the point of that kind of comment is, actually. I think it's just attracting ridicule to say things like that. I wish they would be a better advised, uh, England players, to be a bit more realistic. I know they want to talk a, a gung-ho game and all that, but actually it just attracts uh, you know, people sort of feeling a bit insulted, in, in fact, when they say things as, as completely sort of outrageous as that. Uh, brilliant innings, though, Ben Duckett played. Uh, outstanding yeah, innings. Mm. I think he should kind of park some of his comments, really, because they're just not helping the situation. Here's a here's a sort of interesting stat. Uh, in the series so far, Joe Root has scored 77 runs, because he was out cheaply today as well. A bit unlucky, actually. Uh, it was an, uh, an LBW decision which went with the umpire. He was a bit unlucky in that it was clipping the top of off stump, where, and on another day he may have been given not out. But uh, it is interesting to say that he's scored 77 runs in the series so far, averaged 12.8, and he's bowled 107 overs in that time and taken a few wickets uh, at a fairly expensive cost. But who would have guessed that? Joe Root bowled more overs and he scored runs in the series. And I guess that is one quite important statistic suggesting why England are in this position. How much do you think his bowling would detract from his batting? I mean, I think he probably knew he was going to do a reasonable amount of bowling in the series. Does it detract from your batting, you know, putting in that work as a, as a bowler? Having to, a, having to practice and perhaps take away some of the focus on your batting, but also the physical demands as well? Yeah, I, I think it probably does. Uh, I, you know... Or he's only bowling spin, which is different from someone charging in at 90 miles an hour. So you go back to the days of, say, Ian Botham, who put so much energy, physical energy, into his bowling that he didn't necessarily have the the stamina to be able to play long innings with the bat. And that's why he played in a, a fairly aggressive way with the bat. But Root, I suppose... You know the counter to that is Root is only bowling spin, but obviously that you know even that takes it out of you. And also he's the kind of guy who needs to bat a long time, and therefore you need all your stamina to to play the kind of innings that we know Root Joe Root can. So I'm sure the bowling has taken a, an edge off his batting, but all, all you know the other thing to say is that he's had a couple of sort of marginal decisions. He's had some problems against Bumrah. Uh, they know, India know, that he's the big wicket and not helped by Bairstow also faltering with the bat in this series with only 102 runs himself. So even more uh, responsibility on route to sort of hold that middle order together. Um, I, I mean, he's just, he's having a bad run. He's made some ill-judged shots, but his his lack of runs is definitely hurting England. Yeah, Jaiswal scoring more runs in the second innings of this test match than Root and Bairstow have combined in the whole series. Um, Jaiswal, fantastic. I mean, he's, he's had an incredible series. 540, 
five runs at 90.83, two double hundreds and an 80 as well. He's a magnificent young player and we've, we've talked a lot about him already on this podcast during the series. I mean, in, in a way today, not so much yesterday because you, you've still got to go out there and just extend the lead. Today, it was, you know, it was... A, free batting wasn't it really you've got that great license no real pressure he hit Jimmy Anderson for three consecutive sixes one of them a remarkable shot over extra cover but you have that freedom you know when you're over 100 you're, you're way ahead you're over the hills and far away in terms of the, the runs you've got on the board you've, you've got the absolute license and, and pressure free cricket is a great place to play and I think that's the point isn't it that in England haven't been able to put India under enough pressure in this series, enough pressure in this test match anyway. And India today, you know, t- totally dominating the day. They they did all the damage yesterday, and today it was a sort of you know, a really a mopping up exercise. And you know, whether the game had gone into tomorrow, whether you know gone to the final session, you just cannot, could not see. I couldn't anyway. England escaping. It was a pretty. A tame batting effort, but India have got some talented players. I mean, you know, we talk about the players they're missing in this game, and that they are missing players. You know, missing one of their greatest ever players in, in Virat Kohli. But you know, Jaiswal has come in. Safraz Khan played with you know, tremendous freedom in in this match, and of course, there's our old friend Uravi Jadeja, who had a fantastic game, a hundred and seven wickets, another five today. They have got a lot of talent, India, especially in their home conditions, where I think they feel incredibly comfortable. Uh, in a way, England, it, it, after three test matches, England have done pretty well actually still to be in with a chance in the series. I mean, that, that first one was a real heist in Hyderabad. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right to say that India are very good in their own conditions. It, you know, if they came to England with this batting order, I think they would be fallible. And England obviously would come into their own with the ball as well. England have have found, you know, been found wanting with the ball themselves in these conditions. With one has to say, you know, very inexperienced, unproven spin attack. Uh, James Anderson, Jimmy Anderson, working like a Trojan to try and get wickets, but the conditions not in his favour. Uh, Mark Wood as well. Similarly, I mean, actually, Wood bowled superbly in that first innings and should have had India 40 for 47 for four if Joe Root had held that catch off Tom Hartley from Rohit Sharma so that was a little tiny opportunity there that England could have achieved could have secured and maybe that would have enabled them to get a first innings lead ultimately but when you have a deficit of 125 or so 120 odd in first innings you know, it, 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 and the pitch is gradually wearing. And then you have the Indians piling on the runs in the second innings. England looking pretty impotent with the ball in that second innings. There is, there is no way back. I, I mean, Anderson, it must have been quite humbling, really. You know, I feel for him, seeing him being assaulted, savaged by Giswell, who he had on toast, actually, in, in an earlier match. You know, he was bowling seamers and cutting it across him and Giswell was having to be very watchful. But uh, in this innings, a, a magnificent performance. And you, you mentioned the the shot over extra cover off Jimmy, actually, for six. But what I liked was the one in before that, which was a, a little flick. He went right across his stumps outside off because England set a field with only two on the leg side and seven fielders on the off side. So clearly Anderson was going to go mainly wide of the off stump. And uh, Giles will walk across his stumps and flicked an attempted Yorker from Anderson on leg stump over deep square leg for six. So his range, his repertoire, his weight of stroke, his, his selection of shot selection as well 
uh, is is remarkable. And you know, he hits the ball miles, doesn't he? When it doesn't just go uh, plop over the ropes, it goes into the, the second tier sometimes over extra or over or long off as as well as over long on. So, what a magnificent batter he is. Um, uh, you know, I mean, India must be so thrilled to see someone come through like that, and what an inspiration he would be to all the young players in India as well. So <laughs> India are going to produce a few more like him, I think. It shows why they're so difficult to dislodge in their own country. I mean, I mean in a way, we all sort of came to look at, or we've been thinking about Shubman Gill, haven't we, as being the, sort of the, new, the next star of Indian batting. But Jaiswal at the moment is scooting past him. Gill today uh, making 91, uh, another run out at the non-striker's end with the, the night... Uh, Watchman really responsible for it in, in some way. He just sort of took a step down the pitch. Gill advancing, really good work at, at mid on, and England uh, getting the bails off with Tom Hartley. But it, it, that was just, I mean, it, in a way, it was, it was sort of irrelevant, really, wasn't it? Uh, it, it the wickets didn't make that much difference. India were just bounding along. That first session, 118 for two in 31 overs, 3.81 runs and over. That was job done. That's all they had to do, really. And it got then that got them to the position in the middle of the afternoon. And then they sort of really got after after lunch with Safraz and Jaiswas smashing it everywhere. 430 for four from 98 overs. I mean that that is sort of England style batting, isn't it? In terms of you know the runs per over, the the run rate. But you've got that freedom. Jaiswal hit more sixes in a series than anyone else. I think that's correct. And he hit 12 sixes. In this innings, I was, yeah, you know, yeah. which is a record, which is equaling the record of uh, most sixes in a Test match innings by was him Akram, yeah. actually. That would be one that if, would fox a few people yeah. in a quiz, wouldn't it? Who's it the most sixes in a Test match innings? Was it Akram? Two hundred and fifty-seven he scored in that particular match, including the twelve sixes, and Giles was equaled that. Actually, quite a lot of batters on eleven sixes in an innings, including Brendan McCullum twice. And Ben Stokes yeah. in that famous 258 hit, you got, I think you got 10 sixes in that. 11, I think it was. 11, was it 11? But, but 12 sixes for Jai as well today. I mean, it's just, it was raining sixes, wasn't it? Because Sarfraz was hitting a few as well. Yeah, that's a good sort of punchy young cricketer as well. So, you know, they, they, the old guard has slightly moved aside in this series in terms of the batting, and, you know, the new players have, have come in. I mean, I think it's okay. You know, England, they won that first test match. So that puts pressure on Rohit Sharma. It puts pressure on India. But if you want to come into a series, I think against this England attack, it's not a bad attack to come in against. You know, Tom Hartley, inexperienced, you know, first tour of India, Reham Ahmed, even more inexperienced. Okay, he's played a little bit more international cricket than, than Hartley. And then you've got Jimmy Anderson at the age of 41. He's, you know, he's skillful and steady and, and Mark Wood charging in, not much in the in the pitches uh, for him it's it, but it's not the it's not the most testing england attack but but the Oz, we what we could do is just have a look at the three key moments really i mean you, you can say the sort of innings were played of quality and there were some you know obviously rohit sharma and and ravi jadeja and jaiswal in the second innings and india bowled well but there were three big moments that you could point to that had a big bearing on the game i, th- I said it after the first day, I thought the toss was a was a big moment. I think England were pretty desperate to win the toss. There was Joe Root's drop catch of Rohit Sharma, and India would have been under 50 uh, for four. Rohit on his way, and then the debutant would have been out there exposed under pressure. Whereas, as it turned out, he came in much later on under much less pressure. And then Joe Root's 
shot yesterday. I, I saw Alistair Cook say uh, in his Sunday Times article this morning, it was tactically the wrong time to do it. And I think that's the point, isn't it? I think people are I mean, not saying don't play that shot. Although, I mean, I don't see why he needs to play it because he's good enough to do everything else anyway. But that that point, I don't know, it just seemed, it just seemed so wrong. I was watching it at the time. I, I wasn't on the podcast yesterday. I just thought, no, why, why has he done that? It, 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 it just seemed so unnecessary at that point. They were batting comfortably. And, you know, the, no Ashwin in the attack. Just wear down Bumrah. Just just resist him. Bring it, get him back for later spells. Four bowlers. Just make India work. And I was actually quite surprised to see Ben Stokes saying in the, in his post-match interview yesterday, we wanted to be bowling yesterday because we thought there was enough in the pitch. Well, surely there'd be more, even more in the pitch on the on the fourth and fifth days. Just and, and, say, and, just well, bat. no. And also, he's forgotten that uh, bowlers need rest. Yeah, and they only got seventy-one overs off before they were out there again. So that's less than less than a day. If you're dealing with perhaps damp, cool conditions in England, you don't mind maybe getting out there seventy-one overs later. But if it's thirty-four degrees and dry and you know completely dusty, you don't want to be out there. You want to be putting your feet up for at least a hundred and twenty overs. So that was an absurd thing to say. You know, we quoted you, Simon, yesterday on on the podcast. Your oh, comment you? about uh, Joe Root should have been sent to the tower for that shot. And you know, I mean, that that was a private message, yours. But I mean, it, I <laughs> not think, anymore. I it, but <laughs> I think it probably sort of it was it was sent. Don't worry, cheap, we but, we yeah. we aligned it with Shield Berry saying it's the worst shot ever played by an England Test batsman, um, in in a proper batsman. So uh, you know, don't worry, you weren't on your own there. But actually, uh, you know, just I I'd sort of tried to kind of context it a bit. Joe Root doesn't need to play shots like that. Okay, he can have a bit of fun later in innings if he wants. But the trouble is, what the why that's a bad shot for him is his his hallmark, his trademark is playing the ball on its merits. As the ball comes down, he makes the decision to play back or forward or or whatever most of the time. Even when he sweeps, he can he can adapt his sweep according to the length and line of the ball. He's a very good sweeper of, of, of spin bowling. But he can, even though there's an element of premeditation about the sweep, you can change your shot. You can play a dink or a full-blooded sweep or even bail out, actually, if the ball isn't in the right place. When you play that reverse ramp, you're committed. You can't change your shot. Okay, you can adjust slightly to the line and length of the ball, but you're committed. You're the wrong way round, and you're premeditating where the ball is going to be. And that's not how Joe Root has made his success as England's finest ever batsman. His success is based on playing the ball on its merits and playing his way, and that is not his way. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this uh, a lot and you just feel he needs to play the Joe Root way because that will work for him. And and, and actually, there's an interesting stat I saw on, on TNT uh, today saying, you know, looking, comparing the, the England batters' averages before this new regime and during it or you know, since it started. And, and Root has got the lowest increase of all the players. It's, it's a t- 2%, 2% uh, or two-point average increase in his in his batting average and you know others like you know, Crawley Duckett whatever they've, they've gone much uh, more than that and, and also I think there's context as well there's a very good tweet I saw from uh, David Hopps the former Guardian cricket writer so, so talking about you know Root has done reasonably well in this new era but he, he did sort of come into it uh, 
you know, freed up a bit in a way, didn't he? Because he had all those travails as captaincy, and he's in his his batting average dipped quite a lot. You know, he struggled towards the end of his uh, captaincy time, and you know he's picked up at the start, and now he's you know he's having this sort of dip off. So you know, there's not. You, I, th- I don't think you can just be sort of have a look at it from a simplistic viewpoint that oh, you know, pre baseball post baseball if you want to to use that term so you know there are lots of other factors you know there's context in, involved in in how is how he was batting before this era and you know, s- since it started anyway he didn't play it today did he uh, w- which was uh, i mean he was there for a while he he did face bumra you know for a bit today he didn't come up with a shot anyway they'll they'll do what they want to do and, and that's fine. They won't listen to what you know, the, the noise from outside as they see it, and that's fine. You know, just go on and and play. And England have been hammered in India before. Goodness me, they have. You know, on that last trip, they were hammered a few times. On previous trips, you know, they've been hammered a few times. So they can see the 700 in Chennai on the last but one a trip in the in the final game. Karen Nair made a, a triple hundred. So it's not as though it hasn't happened before. And that's in a way that's what they're saying, aren't they? Look, it hasn't worked before. Let's see if we can play in a slightly different way. And probably they are inevitably against India away from home going to have bad days. And goodness me, they did have a I mean they just had about their worst day under Brendan McCullum uh, yesterday and it, it settled the test match. Well you mentioned TNT Sports and of course TNT Sports is the exclusive home of this India-England series, as well as the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing Premier League football, rugby, MotoGP, boxing, etc. And of course, uh, don't forget, next week, the Champions League round of 16 includes the big match, Porto against Arsenal on Wednesday, an 8 o'clock kickoff. Stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on EE, Sky and Virgin Media. Subscription required, aged 18 plus TNCs apply and actually uh, the discovery app is great for winding back on all the highlights of the day as well and looking alighting at the fours and the wickets if you want to see England's wickets you can watch them in quick succession they fell in quick succession of course today more reflections on the route in Rajkot after the break when we'll also talk about one of the great bowling spells of all time by the now passed away Mike Proctor Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So England routed in Rajkot. They move on to Ranchi now for the fourth test match. MS Dhoni's home, new spanking new ground. And you know, it's a feature of 
of Indian cricket. Lots of new grounds. Rajkot is a fairly new ground. Ranchi is a new ground. I went there once for a one-day international, which is a, you know, a great occasion. But there was, it was one of those one-road-in, one-road-out jobs uh, in those days. So it's fair to say the traffic was uh, quite heavy on the way back to Do you remember, Ranchi. actually, I think I, think I, was, I think I was there with you, actually. And I think we, we managed to get a quick getaway... And the driver took us through That's a sort of market, through a covered market, because there was, there was a big dual carriageway outside the ground, which was totally jammed. So the driver in our taxi, perhaps he recognised the the, the, the the importance of the BBC, I don't know, but he, he took us in a, uh, in a small taxi down the wrong way, yeah. down a dual carriageway, and then we bumped through a sort of fruit market and did a, a, a got through a, a kind of couple of narrow lanes and got back to our hotel quite quickly. Otherwise, I think we would we would have been in the queue for about two hours getting back. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I was just going to say that he drove, he went across the road and drove down the outside of the wrong side of the road <laughs> on a sort on like the sort of the bank and got, and got past all the traffic. All the traffic was sort of coming towards us. You know, it was extraordinary, but you know, you just go with it. It was late at night. Uh, it was dark. and you know, did, we, did we give him a big tip, do you reckon? I'm sure we did, Yoz. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I remember going to MS Donny's old school, actually, there as well. I did a feature on that, and they they loved they loved us there. It was great. You know, it was fantastic. All the school, school children came out. We talked to one of his old teachers. Uh, anyway, I, I, re- I reminisce. Uh, Ranchi in in a few days' time. What do England do? Uh, do they change their team? I mean, what what are the options for them? Uh, is it time to just freshen it up a bit? Is Johnny Bairstow's place un, you know, under pressure from Dan Lawrence, or do you think England would just go? Actually, you know, we love we love Johnny. On we go again. The, the bowling options to come in: Shoa Bashir, Gus Atkinson, Ollie Robinson. So they they could freshen up the pace bowling attack, couldn't they? A little bit. Yeah, they they could. Uh, I think Anderson needs a rest. I mean, he looked uh, pretty spent in this Test match. Tough conditions for him to bowl in, and uh, I, I think he, you know, probably they should save him for the final Test because I think in Dharamshala the conditions there might be a little bit more conducive for for him. Um, Mark Wood maybe can can come again. Gus Atkinson so inexperienced and you want someone who's skilled at reverse swing in these conditions and talking to Gus a little bit during the World Cup I asked him about you know playing in India and what experience he'd had of playing overseas and he didn't he admitted he hadn't had much and you know doesn't really know too much about although they do a lot of work on reverse swing now in in England academies and so on he admitted he hadn't sort of experienced it too much so I don't. And the options are a bit limited for England. I mean, Ollie Robinson's there. It, it, it could as an automatic replacement for Anderson. So probably Robinson would be one, and then you choose between Wood and, and Atkinson for the other fast bowling spot. Do you bring in Dan Lawrence for Johnny Bairstow? That is a question. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I don't like the way Bairstow's getting out. He looks uncertain and not convincing and. You know, that can happen if you get early dismissals, of course. But his record in India isn't great. And, I don't know, you just feel like, generally, he's looking a little bit of a... of a, of a, of a Not a walking wicket, exactly, because, because he's obviously a fantastic batsman. But he just looks out of it at the moment. He, he's a bit too sort of frenetic, in a way. And so he, because he's on edge and he's under pressure... 
you know, he comes out sort of all guns blazing kind of thing. He hit his first ball for four today and then had a big sweep at his third ball and departed LBW. That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I think when we're so far away, it's rather difficult to judge how Dan Lawrence would be in that spot. What a shame Harry Brook isn't available. Uh, because he would, you know, automatically fill that number five spot perfectly. I don't know. What's your thoughts? My hunch is that England will stick with Johnny Bairstow. That's that's my hunch because that's the way they approach it. They'll they'll back him. Brendan McCullum. I remember really talking him up in Karachi when England won three nil in that series, and obviously Johnny Bairstow missed that series. Is he going to come back? England did well. Is he going to come back? Harry Brook actually, you know, took his place and did so well in Pakistan. You know, and Brendan McCullum said Johnny Bairstow will come back as soon as he is fit, and he was, you know, good good to his word. I mean, he he did come back, didn't he? And he played in the first Test at, at Edgbaston. He played that wonderful innings at Old Trafford where he was marooned on ninety nine, not out. You know, dramatic, uh, scintillating hitting. They, they, they just, they'll just hope that he can find some form and, and, and find some runs. I think what they will hope is that England uh, bat first. I think the other, the other thing for me, I, I can see Robinson coming in for this, in this test match. Um, they might bring in Chur Bashir again. They might play another spinner. That, that's you know, one option, go back to the, the formula that they use for the first two test matches. The other thing, Yaz, of course, is what sort of p- pitch are India going to produce now for the Ranchi Test match, now that they are 2-1 up in the series? And it may well be that India think, actually, against this England side, the best pitch is not a, a pitch that absolutely rags. It's actually a pitch that's, I don't know, reasonably flat. But then a, a lot depends on winning the toss, doesn't it? But if you if you play on a, fl- a flat pitch that lasts, you'll back your batters to do well against England in the second and fourth innings of well, a test and match. also with with the with the bowling attack that India have you'd back your bowlers yeah. to, to find something as well yeah. even in a flattish pitch yeah. so because they've got that lo- lovely combination I mean I wonder if they might rest Bumrah because he's done a fair bit of work and he just he can, kind of has niggling little uh, he had a what, bit of cramped in the one day, and the last thing they want is to, for him to break down again. He had what eight, seven or eight months out uh, before the World Cup, so you know they need to kind of make sure they manage him. Um, Siraj looks fantastic, doesn't he? I mean, he keeps b- charging in relentlessly, and then all, all their spinners as well. Um, Ashwin hardly play, played a role in this this Test match because of departing for the, for the family emergency and got back just towards the end of the game. So I mean, in a way, I would say their best pitch is one that is is flat in, initially and helps the spinners later on because they've got seamers who can exploit spinning conditions as well. What happens if England win the toss though and go you know, crazy and score five hundred? Still back there. Well, I mean, good luck to them if they do. Uh, but I, I think with the India bowling attack, they've got most bases covered, mm. haven't they? And Jadeja clearly a key man missing in that last Test match, uh, but you know back in the, the team now and just showing again his all-round value. So, I, I mean, in, you're right. I think if India play a real, on a Royal Bunsen, it just brings the English spinners into the game more. Yeah, and there was a, I mean, there's a, perhaps a precedent for a India making a flat pitch in Ranchi because that, if you think back to the Australia series last year, India were up in that series and they produced a very flat pitch at the end of the series and, and, and a boring draw. Anyway, what I hope is that we have the type of pitches that we've had so far. They've been excellent, haven't they? They've been really good pitches. It produced fascinating cricket, really exciting cricket. 
so let's you know let's continue with that you know enough for everybody really perhaps not so much for the pace bowlers but there's been some reverse swing there but you know there's been some spin and there's been some something on offer for the batters as well and let's not underestimate also actually the the value of Kuldeep Yadav who has bowled very well in this game and he hasn't taken a stack of wickets but he's always asked questions and towards the end of the game he's keeping the getting the ball to keep low as well as spinning and he's bowling a little bit flatter than than he was and not every England batsman can read him notably Johnny Bairstow so uh, it, you know that they they have got a wonderful combination of bowlers there that they should be able to use very successfully in any conditions. I think that's what we thought at the start of the series, isn't it? That India have got most bases covered, and their bowling attack is good enough for this. You know, it's, it's good enough for this England batting lineup, and their batters are certainly good enough for England's bowling line. It's, th- it's why we thought India would win the series at the start of the series, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, listening to this thought that was probably going to happen as well. But England winning that first Test match, and then th- threatening at times in the in the other two games, I think probably just lifted a bit of hope among England supporters. But the, the you know the, the realism of this situation tells you that you know India are very strong at home. Just one point, more point before we move on to Mike Proctor. I just sensed England getting a bit ratty with some of the decisions that went against them in this test match. I don't know whether this is, I just sort of just seen some of the body language. I just go back to Rohit Sharma giving a knot out to an umpire's call when he made his 100 on the first day and both Crawley and Root were out to um, umpire's calls today. It's, it's the way the game goes, isn't it? It's the umpire sees it, gives it, and then the technology either backs it up or or overturns it. You you sort of just got to get on with it. But I I just sort of sense there's that feeling of, or oh, things are going a, a bit against us in this test match. But the, I mean the the real key to it is just play better and play play better yeah. shots no, and, the, and take, the last take your thing you want take your catches absolutely. take your catches yeah. and don't play yes. you know poor strokes. No, exactly. Don't blame your tools and, and don't blame the umpires. They're doing as good a job as they possibly can. At least you can't accuse them of bias, which you might have been able to, you know, 25 years ago before neutral umpires. So I, I, the umpires are doing their best. Joel Wilson didn't have the best game, actually. And he, you know, he, he tends to get probably bats 30% wrong. But, you know, it's a very tough job. And you can't really complain about those marginal things, and they they come round again. What goes round comes round. So these things are probably even up in the end. England did have the, you know, the, the rough end of the stick probably with one or two decisions this time. But if it's umpire's call, it's out, isn't yeah. it? If it's clipping the stumps, it's out. Mm. You can't really complain. I think that so, I think the point is, is they say, well, hold on a second. You know, we had some umpire's calls, and what about Rohit Sharma on the on the first day? But again, the umpire stands there, sees you know, sees the ball hit the pad, and makes the, the judgment, and you know, not out one one time can be out of the next. In no two instances are the same. I think that's the point, isn't it? So you, you know, there isn't that equivalence really. But I just, it's just something I noticed. I sort of sense a bit of frustration. Crawley as he walked off, Joe Root as he walked off as well. You know, umpires call again. Why didn't we get some of the umpires calls anyway? Um, in, in India totally and ultimately outplayed, completely outplayed England in this Test match, and England got what they deserved really for. You know, too many mistakes. And I think England's mistakes are going to be punished a bit more than India's mistakes because England are the inferior side. I think that, that that's the point, isn't it? So you have to take all your big opportunities when you're up against a, a top-class side, and England did not in this Test match. Now, you mentioned umpires there. <laughs> I can tell you a funny story about Mike Proctor and umpires. 
because uh, I was playing against him, playing for Northern Transvaal in the South African Curry Cup uh, against Natal in Durban. And it was right at the end of, well, near the end of Mike Proctor's fabulous career. And he turned from bowling fast to bowling off spin. And uh, towards the end of this match, he took five wickets actually in this game to, to win the match for Natal. And towards the end, I was out there trying to stave off defeat and play for a draw. Um, and he got a wicket. He clean bowled a batsman who was having a big slog across the line and it spun quite sharply and, and hit leg stump. And the next man in came in and played a big shot and was hit on the pad. And there was a massive appeal. And Proctor was a very, you know, quite an aggressive cricketer, even bowling spin. He was this, there was this, you know, absolutely tumultuous appeal. And he was almost on his knees, you know, begging for, for I think it was the last wicket of the game. And uh, the umpire said, not out. And Proctor turned to him and said, why not? Which you don't do, do you? But he sort of not did it with a, smile, with a smile and said, why not? And the umpire said, because it was like the last ball. And Proctor said, yeah, but the last ball bowled him. And the umpire changed his decision <laughs> and gave it out. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Gave it out. So I can't remember who the umpire was. But so he won. He turned an umpire's decision. I mean, it, it was academic. but We'd lost the game by miles anyway. So uh, it didn't really matter. But it was kind of a, a evidence of his character and actually also his influence, which which was huge over... An incredible career. I looked it up today, and we're talking about him, of course, because the the news was announced earlier today. The sad news that he's passed away, aged seventy seven, far too young, for a guy who had such a, a charisma, actually, and such an energy as well. I mean, being able to bowl, the speed he bowled at, as well as being able to be a, a top batsman as well, and a, a, a great character on the field. Anyway, we, we actually got him on this podcast a, a, a little while ago last summer because um, I'd spotted Ben Stokes bowling off spin in the nets and, and actually asked him before the final test match at the Oval against Australia, are you thinking of you know coming back as an off spinner? And he sort of cheekily said, well, you know, all things are possible kind of thing. And I then interviewed Mike Proctor about his conversion with a, a number of knee issues over his career to from speed, seam to spin and how successful that had been and how difficult it had been. And he was very upbeat about the opportunity for Stokes, actually. But, of course, he's not famous for spin, really, is he? He was famous for the most incredible performance in a Benson and Hedges 1977 semi-final, which, Simon, you really remember well, don't you? Oh, I can remember exactly where I was watching it. I, I, I can, I can see it now. It was astonishing. Yeah, four wickets in five balls, including the wickets of Gordon Greenwich and Barry Richards. It actually, it should have been five wickets in six balls because he had Nigel Cowley plum on that delivery as well. But umpire Tom Spencer, he'd already given two out, and he just, he just couldn't get get the finger up for the the third one that would have been it would have been five wickets in six balls it looked absolutely plumb okay we didn't have the all the technology we have these days and you have he was actually bowling from the far end so the the batter had his back to us but it, on my tv anyway yours it looked absolutely plumb i'd have given it out anyway caddy actually played a pretty good innings and survived and went on to put on a century partnership, but Hampshire fell seven runs short. But it was it was astonishing cricket because Gloucestershire were at that match. And the thing about it, he was bowling right arm round the wicket, big in duckers, 
And I think he took a hat trick against Essex in the championship of, of LBWs as well. And I think those were from round the wicket. It was <clears throat> remarkable, really, especially in those days when umpires were sort of less inclined to, to give batters out LBW. But to, to do that, it was, it was one of those serendipitous days, really, if, if you were you know, a cricket fan, well, certainly if you were a, a Gloucestershire fan. Richie Benno was, was commentating on television. Look at the joy on the faces of those Gloucestershire fieldsmen. I mean, they, they, you know, I can remember the commentary. It was just, it was a astonishing day. And they, you know, they named the whole team after him, didn't they? Proctorshire. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it effectively was. He, he was a whirlwind as a bowler, as a fast bowler. And you, you have a look at it on YouTube because he had this you know, rampaging run up to the stumps and then this whirl of his arms as he came over, bowling slightly off the wrong foot and bowling round the wicket, these massive hooping in-swingers and bowling at a rapid pace as well. Um, so the the, the, um, the hat-trick victims were pretty impressive, actually, but he got Gordon Greenwich out first and then he got Barry Richards, his South African compatriot, Trevor Jesty and John Rice uh, as the hat-trick victims. And I caught up with Mike, Mike Proctor, actually. He was paying a visit to England a couple of years ago, and I interviewed him at Trent Bridge during a test match, so you can sort of hear the crowd noise in the background, and I asked him to reflect on that amazing day. Gloucester should have ever only got to one final before we'd won the Jeanette Cup in 73, and we'd never won the championship, so me being captain was very important to try and win a trophy for Gloucestershire. And we batted first on a flat deck, Fast outfield of Southampton, but we were 100 odd for one, I think, at lunch and ended up about 200 all out, which was way below par. And I started off bowling to, to Barry Richards and Gordon Greenwich, and um, we had the conditions favour of a fast bowler. That's not, the, that's not the one thing you want to do because those guys are really tough to bowl to. And, uh, I bowled over the wicket and the ball swung a little bit, and they were about 19 for north, uh, looked as though they were coasting along, and I decided to bowl around. No other reason that was to change the line and try some variation. And for some peculiar reason, the ball swung more around the wicket than over the wicket. And you know, I got lucky and uh, got a couple of LBWs, a couple of bowls, and uh, you know, we end up winning the match, which for me and, and the Gloucestershire supporters who were fantastic, uh, particularly on that day, uh, it was just great for Gloucestershire. Talk us through the wickets. If you can remember them. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen the, 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 the video clip a few times. Um, I think the first one, I think the first one was Gordon. Um, and things were getting a bit a bit tough for us because they, they looked pretty set. As I said, they're 19 for North not being not missing the middle of the bat. One of those days when you think you was a bowler bowling in the middle of a bat. But I went round the wicket, brought um, I think it was either Sadik or Jim Fote up to Silly Middorf, um, which wasn't wasn't the best thing to do to a guy like Gordon, but I thought you know, I try and outmaneuver him or outthink him. And the first ball I bolted him actually did swing. And he played a, a rather extravagant booming drive and out went his middle stump, which was very satisfying for me. Uh, I then got Barry Richards LBW. Uh, then I got uh, Trevor Jesty LBW. And then John Rice came in on the hat trick ball, which was the, the fifth ball. And, uh, you know, I wanted to bowl as straight as possible. I'd, I'd had my success by pitching the ball right up. Um, so I just tried to get it right up there and uh, bowl in the block hole and get it to swing and it swung just enough and cannoned into the off stump, so very satisfying. And then you, you nearly got another wicket, didn't you, as well? <laughs> you say that, Sam, but it's very true because uh, Nigel Cowley, who, who I'm pretty matey with, and he, he spends a lot of time in Durban coaching uh, Clifton Proprietary School in Durban, and we used to have a drink and chat about it, and, and he said uh, when he came in next, I also bowled it full, and, and he reckons 
Uh, he was just about to walk off because it was that plum. But it wasn't given out, but I wasn't ready. You never actually really saw yourself bowl much, did you, as a kid? I mean, when did you first see yourself bowl and what was that experience like? Well, it's really very, very funny because um, I started my career mainly as a batsman, bit of a weed keeper, bowling a bit of off spin. And then when we were short at sort of at high school stage, I could run up and bowl with this very awkward action bowl, medium pace, mainly because no one else would, could do the job or we didn't have an opening bowler. And then as I sort of grew up, because I was very small as a, as a youngster, um, and I strengthened out, and I, I tried off a longer run and got quicker and quicker, uh, and, and ended up you know, playing for South Africa. And the first time I ever saw myself bowl was we went to Movie Time News, because in 1966-67 there was obviously no television in South Africa. And we all went to, to watch the movies and Movie Time News was on. And I saw this guy running up and bowling, you know, not off the wrong foot, but it looked very, very awkward. And <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. I, the other South African guys, the Grand Pollock and Peter Pollock and, and those guys were just saying, well, that, that's how you bowl. You know, we've seen it all, all your life. It's the first time you've seen it. I said, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. So it's amazing, isn't it, to think that he never saw himself bowl until he first played for South Africa and almost didn't recognise himself. And on that day in 1977, he actually finished with six for 13, bowled Hampshire out for 173. They were only defending 180, Gloucestershire. So he enabled uh, Gloucestershire to win that match by seven runs. They went on to win the, the, the Benson Hedges final as well against Kent. I was there. I was supporting Kent. And Gloucestershire were too strong on the day for Kent. In fact, Proctor didn't have a, a particularly good match that, that particular final, but he was an inspiration to Gloucestershire cricket over his career. And actually, just looking at his overall stats, uh, are amazing. He took in his career 1,417 wickets at an average of 19.5, as well as all his uh, runs as well, uh, 48 first-class hundreds, including six in a row, in first-class cricket, which is an all-time record, equals the record that is also held by C.B. Fry. Uh, so, you know, and a remarkable cricketer, average 36 with the bat, 19 with the ball in his first-class career, um, was one of the great all-rounders. And he did play seven test matches before South Africa were excluded. And in those test matches, he took 41 wickets at 15. So I think it shows he justifies inclusion in the great all-rounders that have ever lived. Oh, it's, it, and, and I was incredibly privileged to watch him a lot as I was growing up because, you know, he played for Gloucestershire, he played at Bristol. That was my club, my the ground I went to watch cricket at in my formative years. And it it was just thrilling to watch. I remember one day he was he was batting against Jeff Arnold at the, at the county ground and Gloucestershire were losing the game, but Proctor just kept hitting. Jeff Arnold, a former England bowler, skillful bowler, you know, seam bowler. It was a seeming sort of pitch in Bristol and he kept hitting him through the covers and he was a lovely cover driver and Sussex, he was, I think Arnold was playing for Sussex at the time and he, he kept um, strengthening the offside field and then Proctor would just open the face or close the face and drive it and find another gap through the offside. It was just, it was scintillating, skillful uh, batting and you, so you think about him as a, you know, as a, a whirlwind quick bowler, but he was, he was also a devastating uh, batter as well. I think it was one season he scored the fastest 100 at Cheltenham. Uh, you know, there, there was some, some, some sort of whisper he was going to go out and try and do it and, and he did. Uh, so he, there was a, a magnificence again with his batting as well. And, and you go back to 1973, he won Gloucestershire the, the Gillette Cup as well because he made 100 in the semi-final against Worcestershire. And then in the final, when they were really in the mire, 
he came out and made 90 or Tony Brown got runs as well 77 the Gloucestershire beat Sussex uh, that day Tony Gregg a run out for naught by Jim Folk running in from point those people who were there those people who can remember it will will be nodding at the moment but I mean, we are in yesteryear but he was a he was a magnificent cricketer but there's one other the one other story as well and it's what it's one of sort of failure really so we've talked about some great stories about Mike Proctor succeeding, but it's one of failure, but but not for want of trying, because in that same season, 1977, Gloucestershire played Hampshire in the final championship match of the season, and they were top of the table. So if they won the game, they would win the county championship for the first time in the modern era, if you consider the championship starting in 1890. Mike Proctor scored 115, 57, and took six for 68, and Gloucestershire lost the game. I mean, you think with a performance like that, he's like, well, come on, everybody else, you know, the other 10, come on, help me out here. But, you know, that was what he produced in the match. And he came, Gloucestershire were 49 for five in the first innings. A big crowd at Bristol, they had to win the game. They were 49 for five, he made 100. Then he bowled Hampshire out. They was, Gloucestershire were six behind on first innings. They made 276, Proctor making a, another half century it was all set up final day of the championship season for Gloucestershire in front of a full house in Bristol and Hampshire with Gordon Greenwich to the fore knocked them off they they ruined the party um so yeah that was a that was a sad day I think if there's any result in cricket yours which I could change you asked me could I change any result in cricket in my lifetime that would be the result I would change but you know, but not for want not for want of trying from Mike Proctor he was that sort of cricketer well, it's a sad day and the, the world of cricket has lost another great player and great character, Mike Proctor, rest in peace. Life goes on and England have to try and come back from that devastating defeat. I'm sure they will. Uh, it starts again on Friday in Ranchi and we'll be back, of course, to bring you uh, a review of the first day's play from Ranchi next Friday. If you like this podcast, don't forget to like it, follow us. And subscribe to us free. You get every episode uh, straight to your phone or whichever device you use. Thanks very much to TNT Sport for supplying us with the sponsorship and also obviously the coverage uh, for this series. And they'll be back, of course, on Friday as well to cover the first day of the fourth test. We'll be back then. And thanks for listening and speak to you on Friday. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.